All right. Um, last week, if you'll recall, I had uh, told you that uh, it was just at the turn of the uh, century uh, in 1899 when a man decided to put the words of Jesus uh, in red in our, our Bibles. And that was incorporated in 1900. And since that time, we've been very familiar with red-letter Bibles. Uh, the red isn't to set those words apart as though they're more important than the other words because all of the words of the Bible are the inspired words of God. There are things that God wanted to be in there for us to know. And the teachings of the Apostle Paul or Peter are just as authoritative uh, because they speak by inspiration. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so uh, those red letters, though, do present quite a challenge. And I think it's from time to time it's good to go back and to look at Jesus, God who came and dwelt among us, and he lived among us and talked to us. And we got to watch the way he lived and the way he handled difficulties and, and uh, the way he taught and uh, by looking at some of these red-letter statements of Jesus and trying to live them out, I, I think um, it's, that's the kind of challenge that, that we need. We uh, understand that Jesus, well, when we talk about Jesus, it can be a very, uh, oh, well, sentimental type thing. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus, what is there not to love about Jesus? Um, it's easy to say you love Jesus, the person of Jesus, but when you get right down to the words of Jesus, sometimes people aren't as attracted to his words as they are the concept of who they have in mind he was. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, that if you deny me, or if you're ashamed of me and my words, in the judgment I'll be ashamed of you. So not only must we love the person of Jesus, but we need to love his words. And some of his words just hit me square between the eyes. They, they challenge the way I live. Um, and so I, that's, those are the things that we want to look at for the next few weeks. Some of those challenging statements of Jesus. We started off by saying, looking at the statement that Jesus made in, in the book of Matthew, love your enemies. And that's hard to do. But he said it, and we need to do it. Last week, we looked at the statement that Jesus made, go learn this, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And so we looked at that quality that we need to be developing in our life. And then today, I want us to look at a statement that is made about judgment. Now, the statement that Don just read is really not the statement that I want to look at, but it does have bearing on this lesson. And so I would rather him have read that, that lesson or that, that passage. But if you have your Bible, you might want to turn with me to John chapter 7, not Matthew chapter 7, but John chapter 7. And I want you to look at what Jesus said in verse 21. Jesus said, do not judge according to appearance but judge with righteous judgment. The reason I had Don read that passage from Matthew is because that's one of the most familiar passages. The person that knows nothing about the Bible knows that verse, Matthew 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. 
Anytime somebody does something wrong and you try to call it to their attention, well, judge not that you be not judged. Don't, don't do that to me. Yeah, there's that statement of Jesus in Matthew 7, judge not. But here, look, there is a, there is a positive statement by our Lord telling us to judge. Now, does he contradict himself? Did he change his mind? Or could it be that there are different types of judgment under consideration? Could it be that we need to go back and look at Matthew and maybe that passage has been misunderstood and abused by people and made too broad a blanket? Do you think Jesus really, really? Do you think Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, Judge not that you be not judged, is giving a blanket of protection for those who choose to sin? Do you really think that's what he's saying? Because isn't he who came, isn't it he who came and challenged people in their sin? Could they not have turned around to him and say, hey, judge not that you be not judged? Let's look at Matthew 7 and then we'll come to John 7 and look at some of the obligations that Jesus gives us with this command to judge. Turn back, first of all, Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew 7, verse 1, the passage says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, uh, you will be judged. And with the measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at a speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own? And he goes on and says, How can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own? Hypocrites. There's a key. Hypocrites. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want you to see, first of all, that this passage doesn't say what a lot of people say it says. Some would say this passage means that you're never to judge anybody. No. It, in fact, teaches the exact opposite, and I'll show you that. But here's what he's talking about. He's talking about a situation where someone has something wrong in their life. And the person who comes to correct them of this wrong has more problems than they do. Here's a person with just a little speck in their eye and a guy with a, a beam sticking out of his eye comes and says, here, let me, let me get that out of your eye. That's hypocritical. How can one who is guilty of a, of a sin... Turn to it. Well, if I'm living in sin, if I've chosen to follow a course of lifestyle or lifestyle that just goes and, you know, contradicts the, the way of God, and I see you and you're trying to do right, and every once in a while you stumble, and I catch you in one of those stumbles, here I am, I'm, I'm giving myself to sin. I'm wholly turned over to it, and I see you stumble. Can you imagine me? coming to you and saying, you need to get your life right. What are you thinking? I saw that mistake you made. You need to get your life right. I'm in no... That's hypocritical. How can I approach you and ask you to fix what's in your life if I'm not willing to fix what's in mine? That's the kind of judgment that Jesus is condemning in Matthew 7. That hypocritical type of judgment where I have problems that I won't fix, but I want to fix yours. 
that's, that's not under consideration. Or, I mean, that's what is under consideration. But I want you to see what else John, or Jesus says in Matthew 7. Because apart from, let's, let's say you can get the beam out of your eye. You know, here's the problem. A guy who's trying to remove the speck from another man's eye has a beam in his own eye. Suppose I get this beam out of my eye. What then? Look at what he says in verse seven or verse 5. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He's not discounting the notion of one going to a brother and saying, you need to fix this. He's saying, don't go to them and say, you need to fix this when you have something yourself that needs to be fixed. He says, fix that first. Then you can go to your brother and deal with that speck in his eye. So you see, the passage isn't condemning judgment. It's condemning a type of judgment, a hypocritical type of judgment. Take the hypocrisy out of it, and it's appropriate, he teaches in verse 5. Now we get to John chapter 7, and we see this statement, judge righteous judgment. That's a positive command, something I have to do. Whereas most of the world today, a very tolerant society in which we live, they want, they want to proclaim, let everybody do their own thing. Don't anybody be the heavy. Don't anybody say you can't, you shouldn't, you, you sh- you're, you're wrong. Let's just let's not judge anybody. That's the, the prevailing view of our society. But Jesus calls us to live a counter lifestyle, a counter culture lifestyle, because it's Jesus who says, judge righteous judgment. What does that mean? Well, two points from this passage I want to bring out, and the lesson will be yours this morning. The first point is there is a judgment that is prohibited. Because he says in John chapter 7 and verse 21, judge not according to appearance. So there's that kind of judgment that's wrong. And we also read in Matthew chapter 7 of a hypocritical type of judgment that is wrong. So we know there are certain things that we shouldn't do. But what kind of judgments are wrong? Well, let's, let's consider that just for a minute. Judging according to appearance is wrong. That's what he says here in John chapter 7 and verse 24. If I judge according to appearance, I make a grave mistake because I, I, I can't, I can't know all the details. Sometimes things look a certain way and they aren't that way. Some of the times when I make some of the, the most boneheaded mistakes is when I see something and I think the worst and I'm proven wrong and I have to go to God in prayer and ask Him for forgiveness. You see, appearance isn't, you know, you, you can't base your thoughts about a person on appearance. Jesus often ate with sinners, did he not? He often went with those who were, well, in worldly terms, they, they were the, the low life. They were involved in things that made other people feel they needed to be cleansed if they even brushed against them. 
Jesus was with those people. And it would have been wrong to have said, he must be one of them. Because why else would he hang around with them? Well, why else? Because he wants to save them. But I didn't take that into consideration. I was just judging according to appearance, not according to what his purpose was. And that happens time and time again today. We judge according to appearance rather than according to truth. He says, don't do that. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes your car may be parked in a place. Sometimes you may be called to to visit a person in a place, or sometimes you may have some interaction with another person that, that causes people to see you, and they, you know, what, what do we think? What are we going to assume? Judge not according to appearance, Jesus says. Okay, so that takes that off the table for me. I can't do that. I shouldn't do that. Sometimes I do, and I need to repent, and my, my just life experience tells me I'm not very good at it. Because I most of the time get stuff like that wrong. And I'm reminded that I can't read into the hearts of men. So judge not according to appearance. Another type of judgment we shouldn't do is that hypocritical judgment, Matthew 7. When I had this huge sin in my life, and yet I'm going to go try to fix your life with the little sin that you have. Romans 2 and verse 1, John or uh, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the hypocrisy of the Jews. They were talking about those bad mouth and the Gentile. Man, the Gentiles are sinners. You can't believe the way they choose to live their lives. They they do this and this and this. And Paul said, You are inexcusable. Because the very things you condemn these Gentiles are doing, you yourselves do. Hypocrites. Hypocritical judgments. I can't point my finger at somebody and ride them and give them a hard time and, and come off all holier than thou preaching them a lesson when I'm guilty of the same thing. That's a kind of judgment that we're not to do. Another kind of judgment that we're not to do is to judge motives. Again, one of the times when I am more quickly driven to prayer than any other time is when I judge people's motives. See, I can't know people's hearts. I don't know what they're thinking, but sometimes I think I can, and I act as though I can, and I talk as though I know, and and I am proven wrong time and time again. And it's shameful. It's humbling when I have assigned motives, and then I learn... That wasn't the motive at all. That a pure motive. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 5 and verse 7, love believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love thinks the best. And sometimes I think the worst. I make assumptions as to why a person crossed the street, why a person going out the door might choose that door instead of that door. Think they were mad at me? Maybe. Maybe they didn't want to talk to me this morning. Hmm. Wonder about that. Uh, you see, that's when you get that's when you get yourself in trouble. You start you start guessing as to why people do what they do, and we can't do that because we don't know one another's hearts. Jesus did. 
but we don't know each other's hearts. Why did my wife not wash this dish? Was she trying to give me a lesson? Was she trying to tell me something? Why wasn't that cleaned? Or why was this... And we start thinking about all these possibilities about people's lives and their interaction with us, and, and we make up scenarios that can be as far from the truth as anything. We can't judge a person's motives. We have no basis to do so. We also can't judge... Um, on matters of opinion. Consider Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. There, think of how many divisions have happened in the body of Christ because of people judging one another in opinions. What do you mean? You don't hold the same opinion as I do? Um, I, I don't think... Well, let me give you an example. I, I, there was a lady... I do some sleight of hand tricks from time to time with kids just to kind of interest them and so forth. And, and I had a deck of cards in my office one time. And I was doing tricks, you know, making cards disappear. And I had a lady come in. She walked in and she closed the door and said, I don't ever want to see you bring cards in the church building again because cards are the devil's tool. And you can't, you know, people gamble with cards and um, those are a tool of sin. And so I don't ever want to see cards again. And um, that was her opinion. I don't think she could give me a scripture, you know, that says that. I respect her opinion. But what if I said, you know, her opinion about that matter is not the same as mine. So I don't, I'm not even going to treat her like a brother or, or like a sister in Christ now. I'm going to judge her as contemptible. Can't believe that she doesn't know any better than that. I mean, she thinks that you can't, there's not a proper use for playing cards. That you, if you use them, you have to use them for something evil. So I'll, I'll treat her with contempt and disdain because of her level of understanding. That, that would be wrong with me. That's the very thing that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 14. Not in the terms of playing cards, but in terms of can you eat meats? Is it okay to eat meat? Some say you should, some say you shouldn't. And, and they were actually dividing over that and judging each other. If I was an eat meater in the first century, people that didn't eat meat would say, that, that man, I mean, is he not discerning? Does he not know that that's not good? And then those who ate meats looked at those who didn't and said, how pathetic to be that unintelligent. I mean, can you believe not knowing any better than that? And so they had this thing, this rift going back and forth, all because of opinions. So Paul says in Romans 14 and verse 10, don't judge your brother, God's child, in matters of opinion. Let everybody have their own opinion in matters of opinion. And so those are things that... Um, those are areas, four areas, in which I shouldn't judge. I shouldn't judge according to appearance. I shouldn't judge hypocritical judgment. I shouldn't judge motives, and I shouldn't judge on the basis of opinions. But now let's get down to the positive statement that Jesus made in John 7 and verse 21, where he said, judge, righteous judgment. There is a judgment that we are to do. 
And we don't hear about that much. Everybody knows the words of Jesus. Judge not that you be not judged. How many people who can quote that verse can quote John 7.21? Judge righteous judgments. Not nearly as many. But here's judgment that is needed. We need to judge between good and evil. That's a kind of judgment that we need to be involved in. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, it says that we need to exercise our senses to be able to discern between good and evil. Listen, that's one of the challenges of a Christian life. We don't just blindly walk and just do whatever falls across our path. We, we have to discern. We have to use judgment. We have to decide, does God approve of this or does He disapprove of this? And I need to be good at judging between good and evil. I'm sure it's true of most preachers, but one of the most frequent questions that I get on telephone is somebody will call and say, Hey, Steve, listen, I've been wondering, would it be wrong if... and, And you can fill in the blank. And I don't mind those calls at all. I think those are good, but it, it all gets down to judgment, discerning between what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. We need to do that. Listen, look at our society today. Look at some of the things that are in the forefront of even the, the moral things that have been politicized. Is abortion right or wrong? I need to be able to discern the truth, to make judgment. It's right or it's wrong. Homosexual marriage, is that right or is that wrong? I need to be able to make a, a judgment between here's the truth and here's the error on this. And there are a host of issues. We can go down the line. We need righteous judgment. We need people to discern between right and wrong. And part of the problem of our society is that we haven't. We have, In fact, we've done what Isaiah said when we say this is good and this is bad and it's exactly the opposite of what God says. Discern between good and evil. That's a judgment that we need to make. But even beyond that, here's a finer tuning. Because it's, well, listen, really, it's not that hard to discern between what's right and what's wrong. Oh, I know there's some areas in which we need some skill and some discernment and development. But, I mean, which is right? Telling the truth or lying? Which is right? Committing adultery or being faithful to your spouse? Which is right? You see, we can go through a long list of those. And it, it's not really that much of a challenge. Those things are pretty black and white. We know the difference between right and wrong on those things. We, we've made the judgment on those things. But here's a fine-tuning that I think we ought to be engaged in, and this is uh, where we'll close with. We need to discern, we need to judge between what's good and what's better. That's where real discernment comes. The sin between good and evil, that, that's kind of obvious, Discerning between what is good and what is better, that is more challenging. 
And listen, if there is, if there's good out there, you know, pursue good. But if I told you there's something better, would you not want to pursue that? In life, do you want to just pursue mediocrity or do you want to pursue what is better that God has in store for us? There's some things in life that are better. Not just good, but better. For instance, 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22 says to obey um, is better than to sacrifice and to hearken better than the fat of rams. That situation was one in which Saul didn't didn't obey God. And Samuel said, there's something even better than, than obedience or better than sacrificing. Now, sacrifice is good, but better than sacrificing is obedience to God. And he made that clear to him in uh, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22. Also, Psalm 37 and verse 16. And how many people does this hit right between the eyes? The Bible says, having just a little... With righteousness is better than having a lot with sinners. How many people spend their life in pursuit of riches and they, they get so caught up and, and, and their life is driven by more and more and more. I've got to have money. And, and they, they live for that thing and it's the, it consumes them. And God says, you can be rich. There's no sin in being rich. But it's better to have a little and to be righteous than to have a lot and be unrighteous. We need to understand that. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 3. This is one that is baffling. The writer said, sorrow is better than laughter. Who believes that? Sorrow is better than laughter. Well, the Bible says it. I believe that. He says the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And in that context, he says the day of one's death is better than his birth. Who looks at life in that perspective? Who sees death better than birth? And we've had a lot of births this year. Little, little babies everywhere. And man, that's a time of rejoicing. And we're proud and happy about it. And we, we have our pictures and we're excited. That's a great day. Better than that is death? What could he mean by that? How can that be? Laughter or sorrow is better than laughter? Well, discernment. Listen, when everything is going your way and you're just having a high time here on earth, and everything just falls in place right in front of you, and you're just booking along in life with no problems at all. Do you ever find that there's a tendency to forget about God, to stop looking for heavenly things, to get caught up in worldly things? Do you ever find that to be the case? Let death cross your path. Let sorrow enter your life. And what are you thinking about? All of a sudden, I'm not thinking about how much money I can make. I'm thinking about how much I need God. I begin to think about how much I want to go to heaven. 
I begin to consider my ways and, and reevaluate my life and my relationships with other people. I begin to realize that death breeds a reflection in me that I otherwise did not possess. And death causes me to say things to other people that I should have said before, but I didn't say before because I wasn't sorrowing. I was going my way, having a good time. It enables me to trust more heavily and lean more heavily upon God than otherwise I would. You see, death and laughter, sorrow, which would you choose? Uh, Most people would choose laughter over sorrow. Most people would choose birth over death. But the wise man of the Bible said, it's really the other way around. There are things in death that can teach us, in sorrow that can teach us and draw us closer to God. And those are the kind of judgments that are needed today. Listen, when I live my life in harmony with the words of Jesus, I've got to avoid judging the wrong way. He said, don't judge. But the same Jesus who said, don't judge in Matthew 7 says in John 7, which is not nearly well known as well known by the world because it doesn't suit their purposes. In that passage, it's the same Jesus who said, I want you to judge, but I want you to do it with righteousness. And when I judge with righteousness, you know what I do? I discern between what's good and what's bad. No, shouldn't be doing that. That's bad. This is good. That's bad. This is good. I can do that all day long. That's what Jesus wants me to do. And also, I need to be involved in discerning between what's good and what's better. What what can raise me up above average living, good living? What can take me from good to great? Those are the things that I want to pursue. And listen, folks, to go beyond this lesson... Go home sometime and look up the word in your concordances or run it in your Bible program and look up the word better. There are hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but close to a hundred probably statements where the Bible says this is better than this. Maybe that'd be a, a good challenge to look at and remember and read and refine our lives in harmony with that kind of judgments to make our lives better than just being good and great rather than just being good. Let's be sure that we don't allow ourselves to be silenced uh, by a society that calls us to just hush about sin. Don't talk about sin. Don't point your finger at anybody. Don't call anybody out. Don't call anybody down. Don't object to anything. We, We have that pressure on us in this society. Don't Just leave sin alone. In fact, just about the only sin that you can find in our society, our culture today, is for one to call sin a sin. Then that's that's wrong. But the thing itself isn't. Don't cave to that kind of pressure because we serve a, a Lord who in his red letters said, I want you to judge but I want you to do it with righteousness. Let's develop discernment 
to know the kind of judgment that we should do and the kind of judgment we shouldn't. Because not only do we need to love Jesus, but we need to love his words. It's a package deal, and he calls us to judge. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I I believe him when he said that. If you have not yet been baptized into Christ upon your faith in him, we'll assist you in that this morning. If you're a child of God already but unfaithful and uh, you need to do better and you want to commit yourself to that and you want us to know that I'm beginning today, I'm going to do better, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.